Welcome back guys to another episode of the Health Mastery Show. As usual and for the foreseeable future, I am your host Adam MacDonald and I want to say thank you so much to everybody who's listened to the first two episodes. We had a bit of technical issues in post-production in the last episode. It kind of sounded like myself and Lyle were trying to jump over each other and you know try to get the last word in but we we weren't actually speaking over each other. It was just some issues but Nonetheless, I want to appreciate all the feedback and I really appreciate that when people reach out to me and they give me topics or they just say what they liked or what they didn't like. So please continue to do that. In today's episode, I have Marty Kendall on and I first heard Marty on another podcast. I think it was Sigma Nutrition Radio and his message really resonated with me. So Marty is a an engineer by day and he's used some of his learnings and mindset and tools from engineering and brought them across to the nutrition industry by developing certain tools and algorithms to be able to help people optimize their nutrition. So Marty shares his learnings at something called optimizingnutrition.com and he's built the Nutrient Optimizer which focuses on things like satiety index, insulin index and ultimately tries to get people better results by focusing on their health first. So trying to get them to eat better rather than just looking at everything as a nail and you have a hammer and then just getting these quick fast results but rather thinking about the long term so his philosophy really resonated with me and I really enjoyed this episode so Marty please introduce yourself and let me know how you got into this my wife is type 1 diabetics so that's sort of where it all started and um, getting married 18 months ago I just sort of started living with the day-to-day reality of um, insulin and diabetes and like there was a real challenge there of how can I manage that how can I improve that and optimize it and um, yeah through pregnancies and uh, just really saw that how her life changed as she went through the pregnancies and it was really important to be able to control her insulin dial it in and to optimize her blood sugars and as I learned more and more and more I eventually came across um, a concept called the insulin load which enabled me to quantify her insulin dosing better to match her food and then through quantification of that you're able to optimize your food choices to minimize insulin load to then stabilize her blood sugar so that was really powerful and really exciting but then sort of came across uh, or realized that the lowest insulin load foods that, that, that generated the lowest insulin response were really high fat foods that led me to, to nutrient density and saying how can we optimize nutrient density and insulin load and then more recently I've come across the idea of, of satiety and managing satiety by our food choices because a lot of us want to lose weight and strip muscle but somebody who's an athlete needs to um, maximize the amount of energy that they can actually take in so they can perform more and you can quantitatively optimize and dial in your satiety so you can actually eat more or less based on your food choices so yeah that, that's the overall concept and um, the three pillars I suppose the insulin load nutrient density and satiety and together I've sort of as an engineer developed a bit of a system that um, optimizes each of those based on your goal yeah, that, that's great, and I really, really like the approach. We t- we talked about it a little bit about off- offline that you know you're taking the engineering kind of approach <laughs> and using your analytical brain and different kind of uh, graphs and analytics mm. and BI and stuff to to really give people a visual 
a visual kind of goal or a visual uh, overview of mm. how they can actually improve this stuff because some people are visual i'm actually personally really visual i learn by seeing <laughs> things so I, I really like the different kind of graphs and stuff and i know there's yeah. loads of apps and stuff like that we we talked about that but often they're kind of a little bit they don't go too in depth into the the nuances which is something that i really like about your stuff and and just as a side note there just um talking about the insulin load i, I guess yeah. people a lot of people would focus on they they know what you know energy density mm. and you know calories and and mm. satiety as well you know hunger signals people are pretty clued into that stuff but not yep. many people really focus on the insulin load yeah. um, and I, I guess you have to pay specific uh, attention to that because of your wife's a, a diabetic so that's obviously extremely important and yeah. i was listening to a, a podcast with a, someone called Dyke, uh, dr mike Isertel. he yeah. is um uh, quite recently and he talked about you know why do why do often like those big bodybuilders that are like you know olympia why do they eat why do they often eat the same foods and they they don't actually change in their diet and mm. something that most people would know including myself was that because of the different insulin loads within certain foods even if you match the carbohydrates and the match mm. the calories certain mm. foods actually have different insulin insulin responses mm. so if you're switching from one type of let's say you're eating rice white rice all the time and you eat that three or four times a day um, because these bodybuilders are actually taking super physiological doses of insulin as a you know an anabolic agent, mm. they can actually kill themselves if they eat too much of the the wrong type of food. I won't say wrong type of food, but if they get a massive response yeah. from insulin, um, and you know it's something it's some food for thought because even though you know you might have let's say 100 grams of carbohydrates from uh, X food and you might have 100 grams from another food, everything else equal, the insulin response can be potentially quite different so it's something that yeah. i'm definitely um quite intrigued by and want to look into a, a little bit more uh, about that so when you talk about those three pillars uh, how do you manage those is there is there certain things that you look at and do you think that you should keep insulin load low and have you found better success with that or working with people or mm-hmm. or how has that worked yeah i suppose for insulin load it's mainly important for people with diabetes and particularly those injecting insulin and there's a lot of talk about the carb insulin hypothesis and to a large extent for most people that's completely irrelevant because if you're actually injecting insulin like my wife or 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 a bodybuilder who's trying to get really big what that insulin does it's like a break on on the liver that holds back all your energy it's really anti-catabolic it stops your muscle and your body fat breaking down and then allows you to keep piling on the energy so if you're um if you're injecting insulin as a type 1 diabetic, you inject too much, it won't allow your stored energy to be released into your bloodstream. So you really get hungry and you have to eat more. So that insulin does really generate more um, calorie intake. You end up eating more because of that insulin you've injected. But for most people, it's largely irrelevant. And um, you know the carbs don't generate insulin. It's really the um, the excess calories because if you're eating a low satiety diet you'll just end up eating more and more and more and that raises insulin which really just says well I've got heaps of energy coming in through your mouth you don't need any more food to be or energy re- to be released from your stores so you just you know you, you shut off your release of energy from your body until you use up all the food that's coming in from your mouth and in your bloodstream so really the, the way to control insulin for the general population is just really to find a way to not eat so much which is really what the satiety concept is about 
and um and then nutrient density is really tightly related to satiety and um yeah so really for most people um it's a matter of saying well what are you eating what foods what um what nutrients you're not getting enough of and let's fine-tune our diet to make sure you're getting the foods that give you more of those harder to find nutrients yeah i think there was a, a study done last year i believe out of Stanford University, I think mm. by Gardner and colleagues, I can't yeah. remember where they matched. They matched insulin, or sorry, high carb versus yeah. low carb, and it was an isocaloric diet, so same calories. And over the course of a year, in these healthy individuals, otherwise healthy individuals, they the weight loss is pretty much the same. Yeah. But it's it's still something of, of interest to look into in terms of um, the way the insulin works. So you know, as a I suppose an opposite effect to glucagon, which helps release mm. um, energy. Um, if you're not able to release that energy what what kind of signals can that send to your brain and then you being over you know wanting to overeat because if we match calories and if we're in a you know a metabolic ward and we're very strict with our calories mm. then you you know then that's fine but often the case is that most people even those who have say physique orientated goals or want better body composition they're not necessarily always going to want to track their calories and mm. every single thing every single day so uh, the the reason that uh you know I, I found it really interesting to to look at your work is because mm. you're looking at all this different approach in terms of how we can actually maximize our nutrition, but um looking at different things just outside of overall calories, just things like satiety, things like nutrient mm. density. Because e- even myself, even though I'm tracking calories quite rigidly now because I'm and I'm doing a, a bodybuilding show yeah. Yeah, coming up, when I'm not doing that i just don't really like to track that often but i don't yeah. want to get fat so i want to <laughs> i want to i want to make sure that i'm you know i'm eating off based on my hunger, hunger signals um that my body's sending me because obviously they're mm. like it's, it's a natural characteristic of our, our of our bodies that's developed and as we you know evolved um so you, we got to listen to those things yeah, totally. it's not just you know as an engineer you know you're very programmed i guess and you have that analytical mindset but at yeah. the same time we do obviously we're not computers as you as you know and we need yeah. to kind of we need to have you know emotion is involved and we need to listen to our body's feedback so that's why i think it's totally. a, a great idea to kind of try and manipulate some of these things um, within our diet so that not, we're not always trying to look at the spreadsheets not always trying to use an app to tell us when to eat or what to eat or what we can't eat so um, if you could talk a little bit about um, your approach to then nutrient density in terms of the, the diet. Yeah, so the concept of nutrient density is really fundamentally how many micronutrients have you got per calorie. So in a standard, say, 2,000 calories per day, um, how many of those micronutrients are you cu- you're covering off on? And, and MyFitnessPal will track your, a few micros and your macros, but... Um, we use chronometer as an input into the nutrient optimizer and chronometer will track all your essential micronutrients so you can we, we then get an output of that dump it into the nutrient optimizer and say okay you're getting tons of vitamin c tons of vitamin k tons of vitamin b12 you're, you're a bodybuilder so you're getting a, a a crap ton of your um amino acids but hey your your, your vitamin d your choline your you know whatever those particular nutrients often it's the electrolytes like magnesium potassium calcium that people tend to not be getting enough of um, how do we boost those what foods contain more of those um, that'll give you those that that better micronutrient profile and we really find that um, when we dial that in people's cravings come down they're more satiated they're able to control the appetite 
and often a more nutrient dense diet is also a lower energy dense density diet so it's much more satiating much more filling um and and it's we did a trial um with about 500 people a bit of a free competition um where people put in 50 dollars into the prize pool and um, tried to dial up the nutrient density and as they improved the nutrient density um, the cravings came down the energy density of their diet changed and they were just you know satiated they were, they were getting away with with a thousand calories or less and being really really satisfied and losing a, a crap ton of weight really quickly and i'm really surprised it's like yeah this is exactly how we how we designed it to be so yeah it, it does really work in practice and we see it actually bear out when we do that and um you're talking about the gardener uh was it the diet fit study where they basically started people on either extreme of low carb or low fat and they found that um when people really go to those extremes it's really hard to overeat really low fat foods and it's really hard to overeat you know low carb higher protein foods they're really satiating really you've got the foods that we're getting summer and the foods we get in winter and um you know the foods we get in autumn are these um, combinations of um, carbs and fat together the the breast milk or the acorns or the nuts so those sort of foods that really rarely happen and our body really goes hey um, it, it must be must be autumn I need to prepare for winter so we're going to this binge mode so that's really the, the essence of the satiety formula we got 500,000 days of data from my fitness pal ran the numbers and really found that um, protein gives a positive effect on satiety energy density gives a positive effect on satiety so the bulkier food is more satiating more fiber is more satiating but it's the the combination of fat and carbs together in sort of an unnatural combination that rarely happens in nature naturally that is really really hyper palatable and just seems to send this binge instinct to your body um, so through the, the the quantification of that we're able to develop a formula to really say okay here's your food what's your satiety index score of that food and how likely is it to make you to overeat or undereat and that's really powerful if you can just limit your food choices to those foods that that have a lower satiety value um or sorry a, a higher on the satiety index you're, you're less likely to overeat and you can manage your intake without having to really micromanage your you know the weighing and measuring of your food to the nth degree yeah, and that's a really interesting approach, which um, over the last couple of years I've been really looking into beyond the kind of the macros, because uh, even though you can with this, say, quote-unquote, flexible dieting, and that's something that you know really opened my eyes when I found it maybe 10 years ago or something like that, the if it fits your macros or mm. you know being able to just fit food into your into your diet and but essentially the energy you know energy balance equation when i figured that out i was like mesmerized because i thought that you had to <laughs> you had to eat clean there's actually one point in my life when um this might have been about nine years ago where i hadn't eaten a biscuit or a cookie for like nine <laughs> i think it was six months straight and i was so proud of myself but you know i binge often on other foods at the weekend yeah. because I, I just couldn't control myself but i hadn't yep. eaten a biscuit so i was pretty proud of myself <laughs> But I just didn't on the fundamental didn't understand the fundamentals of nutrition. But with that being said, there is th certain foods that I, I feel people should avoid, and I'm sure you'll agree mm. with me on this one. Totally. And it's not that you know everybody should avoid Reese's peanut butter cups, but I should avoid them because of this these combinations that you talked about, 
and mm. I know you're familiar with the work of uh, Stefan Guillenet and, and mm. the different food properties yeah, like energy thing. density. Yeah, and the main one really is the hyperpalatability, and because even though people you know know they can fit these certain foods into their diet if they just you know reduce calories at the other points of the day you can eat a snickers bar but the chances of you just eating two scoops of ben and jerry's ice cream are you know just not likely yeah yeah, yeah. and definitely it's um peanut butter is a definite uh you know comfort food for me and if i'm hungry i've done my deadlifts i'll come home and you know as much as you go no i don't want to eat that you find yourself face down in the peanut butter and cream and these energy dense foods, but it, it, but you don't eat plain butter or drink plain oil by itself. It's those combination of fat and carbs together that really send you into that hyper palatable overdrive. The donut is the the fat and carbs together that is just really hyper palatable and um, really, as I said, doesn't occur in nature. It's these Franken modern foods that are typically highly processed and also very low um, nutrient density as well. And I suppose the the good thing about if it fits your macros, they generally have about a a minimum twenty five percent protein compared to the the typical population of fourteen to sixteen percent maybe protein or, or less on average. So you're starting from a place where you've got a fairly good satiety from that high level of protein to start with but as you push protein up and and get to one extreme or other of of carbs and fat you tend to get a much better satiety response and by those um you know quantitatively choosing your foods and optimizing your food choices you can you can better control your uh the amount you take in without having to weigh and measure everything and definitely calories in calories out to a large extent is is correct um, but most of us don't live in a metabolic ward where all the food is weighed and measured for us. Yeah, so it's it's not really the the combination of these foods that make us fat per se, because you're eating carbs and fats together, where you're going to have an insulin response, and then um, you know the insulin response will then shuttle the fat into the the fat cells, which is kind of a redundant over uh, overview or insight into what what people actually think happens, and people will say, well, you should spread them, but it's more so the the fact that we tend to overeat them because of these food properties um that or you know, that that drive us to overeat and it's a it's an innate characteristic of the, mm. the you know the the our ancestors so that we could totally. actually eat more food when we didn't actually you know have food and when we found it we'd binge on that food and it was that's normal because we'd eat every couple Very of days much. probably but now we have a, a cupboard full of delicious foods so if you're always you're always you know putting yourself in these positions it's it's actually very difficult and and stressful so my actual approach to it is even though i know i can eat certain foods i just i don't buy them because i will just overeat on them um, yeah, if they're in the I, cupboard I, if they're in the fridge when you're hungry if, yeah especially if you're trying to diet and prep you'll always eat them and um yeah my wife being type 1 diabetic in january we had a weight loss challenge and she was prioritizing these high satiety foods and meals and it was really fascinating to see because she was choosing the satiating foods she had less calories and her overall insulin requirement just plummeted at that trigger point as she switched from a a normal diet to a really highly satiating diet the insulin really followed the calories rather than you know the the carbs driving insulin which drives you to overeat it's really the other way around and people get the, the, the cart before the horse 
so much of the time with the whole carb insulin hypothesis. Yeah, that, that's pr- pretty intriguing to see that that insulin or actually insulin levels or, or requirements drop because of mm. focusing on these higher satiety foods. Definitely. It's something actually that I'm actually I'm focusing on at the moment simply because I'm eating pretty low calories. Um, for those of you listening, I'm competing in about three weeks' time, so my calories are quite low, and I eat some weird combinations of foods. Not because <laughs> of, not because of um, you know my my taste, but for example, I eat uh, almost every day. I'm eating sugar-free Jello, like a bowl of it, in the, and it's simply for those brain signals, for you know to fill my gut up with really low energy density food, but high mm. food volume, so that I'm not hungry, so I'm not mm. thinking about food all the time. I put um, egg whites in my oats, which sounds absolutely disgusting. And to be honest, <laughs> it isn't that good. And yeah, it's it's not great. Sometimes even courgettes or zucchini, whatever you want to call it, um, there ends up being like more more vegetables in my oats and more egg whites yep. in my oats than actual yep. oats. And I cook the crap out of them for like 20 minutes before I eat them. And it ends up being like pretty low calories, but... I'm not as hungry if I just eat an oats. So yep. you do some, um, but, but I mean, when you do focus on these things like satiety, less palatability, more suppose simple ingredient foods, mm. even though that's not a requirement for fat loss or it's not mm. a requirement for body composition, it does help you not go crazy and maintain, mm. uh, you know, maintain the goal. And obviously adherence to a, cer- a certain calorie goal or calorie band is going to be the thing that drives your body weight you know, up or down. Yeah, they talk about sensory specific satiety and uh it's it's the fact that the foods taste amazing and varied and you've got the the spicy and the salty and the sweet all together just send you into this hyper palatable overdrive and you eat more naturally. So you know the ultimate really question for me is how do we manipulate our diet, not to be completely boring, bland and flavorless, but to, to make it so that we enjoy the food we have nutrient dense food is you know full of flavor really uh nutrients send taste signals that that light our brain up and, and reinforce us to eat those foods but how do we make it you know sustainable so it's healthy and will naturally lead us through our food choices to eat less yeah and what do you think is going on there when um we we crave or let's say we're eating a lot of food someone want to eat a lot of say fatty fatty tasting foods or umami and then you'll switch to something sugary and you'll eat you know as much as you want there and then you'll switch back i had an experience when i was like 19 or so i i lived in canada for like six months and it was the first time and probably one of the last times actually that is that i tried smoked weed and uh it was it's legal now it was kind of gray area back then but but anyway that's that's for a different discussion <laughs> but but yeah so talk I, to the police about that yeah so well, i don't know if they're gonna arrest you for something that you could, you did many years ago well actually maybe they will but um anyway um, yeah so I, I i basically got the munchies and i sat there with like a pe- uh, one kilo of peanut butter but also these like these uh sweet uh, they were like sweets or like these sugary kind of jelly things and i would eat like a lot of the peanut butter but then i would get sick of it and then i would eat a lot of the sugary stuff but then i would get sick of it but if i kept switching between the two i was able to just consume like yeah which is a great feat but i felt like absolute crap afterwards (laughs) fascinating stuff yeah i i think alcohol is potentially like a a, talk about the the protein leverage hypothesis 
alcohol is even further up the oxidative priority chain so you have to burn that off quickly get really hot and you um you have to oxidize it straight away so i think potentially alcohol in in and of itself is going to be very satiating but it, it reduces your inhibitions so that that primal urge comes out and goes oh the cookies the peanut butter the ice cream yeah. oh yeah i did have that thing in the back of the fridge that i forgot about let's go for that too yeah i don't think um telling someone to drink more alcohol is the best fat loss approach because <laughs> <No. laughs> it just yeah no, no one yeah yeah i think that uh, because alcohol is a because it's almost like a poison to the body um, or like a foreign mm. substance, our body needs to oxidize that. And I actually do Definitely. personally, when I drink alcohol the next day, my face is so red. Uh, yeah. My blood pressure is through the roof and my heart just is pounding. I, my body obviously just doesn't like it as much as some of the people. My mind likes it. I mean, I like to drink <laughs> it, but uh, my body isn't the biggest fan of it. Yeah, but it, I want to get it, a, it just has to get yeah, rid of from the, the, the system really quickly. It's basically jet fuel for your body. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Um, yeah, I, wa- I wanted to get into your thoughts, uh, Marty, on um, optimizing your nutrient density, so your uh, vitamins, mm. minerals, phytonutrients for body composition. So yep. how do you think that that would play a part? And and then your thoughts on recommended daily allowances, RDAs versus what we should intake or um, mm. you know would intake for optimal health and not just getting in the bare minimum. Yeah, I've been doing a real interesting deep dive into all the micronutrients, doing a, a, a series on the blog about the functions of all the different vitamins and minerals and amino acids and fatty acids. And it's really fascinating. They're all wound up in, in being able to oxidize and use all your fuels effectively. And they're all interrelated. And um, especially your B vitamins uh, uh, drive your ability to effectively and efficiently your mitochondria to burn the food you eat, the carbs, the fat, the protein, to actually use them for fuel. So in that regard, if you're a performance athlete, if you're in the gym, if you want to lift heavier weights, if you want to run faster, those um, nutrients are completely critical. And I think to a degree, uh, we talk about the the protein leverage hypothesis. I think there's a, a similar nutrient leverage hypothesis where we keep on eating food until we get the nutrients we need. We crave food. You hear about you know, pregnant women who crave chocolate or some weird thing or even dirt um, to get the nutrients they need. They go they go crazy for pickles or whatever is at that particular point in time. And I think our body, without us really knowing, uh, is craving those nutrients and we keep on eating more. So if we, if we prioritize the foods that have more of those nutrients, we just tend to be more satiated. And um, I've got about 25,000 days of data in the the nutrient optimizer that people have uploaded from chronometer and going through all that um the the the, the nutrient that is particularly satiating that it must be just that people typically don't eat enough of it in their diet is potassium there's a really um strong satiety response to more potassium so that the recommended daily intake is what 4.7 grams per day very few people achieve that but if you're up around six grams a day from food the satiety response is, is really amazing and people eat less and you see the same thing again and again for all the different nutrients for magnesium and, and folate and, and the b vitamins that if you eat foods that contain more of those per calorie people just tend to eat less so we've managed to use that data to quantify it again to, to make a bit of a 
updated satiety formula that not only uses the macronutrients but also the micronutrients so you can identify the foods that um, based on the micronutrient content will enable you to to eat less and marty do you have certain so you talk about all these uh, uh, micronutrients of potassium magnesium etc what is your philosophy on actual nutrition do you have certain foods or a certain way of eating that you feel uh, is best to get these is it uh, what's your approach is it lower carb higher carb no vegetables a lot of vegetables yeah i mean i'm really diet agnostic and i suppose that's the really exciting thing about the nutrient optimizer and looking in terms of of nutrient density is it really cuts through the the bullshit of 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 nutrition because so much of our food is just flavored and colored to make it look like it contains nutrition but typically the one thing that all this focus on nutrient density excludes is the refined um, really heavily processed grains and oils so most of our diet these days is based around refined grains of some sort combined with refined vegetable oil which just sends us into this you know hyper palatable feeding frenzy and we buy more we eat more um, and these foods are really cheap to produce they're really low protein um, and we don't know how many calories we're consuming because they just go down so easy so that's the thing that really gets pushed out um, I see benefits in a carnivore approach I see benefits in a, a plant-based um, you know, vegan type approach but really that the, the optimal approach tends to have some combination of non-starchy veggies with plenty of, of seafood and meat. And, um, and really, it depends on what your current diet is to what foods tend to be, you know, need to be optimized for you at that point in time. So I've developed a whole lot of different food lists that say, you know, if, you're, if this is your goal, then these are the foods that are going to be more appropriate for you but then we use the nutrient optimizer and then chronometer to say what are you currently eating and which foods will help you plug those nutrient gaps so what kind of approach would you get if somebody wanted to eat better they say use the tools they found out uh, foods that would be the best for them to eat but maybe they're not eating that well right now would you just say just jump two feet in or do you find from a, a psychological and soci- sociological um, viewpoint that it's hard for them to, to kind of adhere to something or to stick to something longer term? Yeah, I don't know. Some people have seen just follow the numbers and, and dive straight in, but I think most people need to progressively introduce, you know, let, let's try a, a green veggie that I you know, haven't eaten any veggies for, forever and um, let's learn to cook a meal at home. Let's try a a high protein high satiating breakfast you know i think one step at a time adding one new habit at a time is much more likely to be sustainable for the long term which most people really need um so i definitely think we we, we try to build incrementally new habits one upon another sort of the james clear sort of approach i know you're a big fan of him i am too and um yeah definitely incremental improvement that that then will make a, a lasting sustainable habit that will get you through the rest of your life and just that competition and then you're going to binge and do an Eric Helms and be, uh, you know, some insane amount of weight heavier straight after the competition. Yeah. I mean, um, working with people who who don't, um, you know, they're not bodybuilders necessarily, but they want to improve their body composition. Common 
knowledge isn't um, you know always common practice mm. and, and most people in the world or at least in in the western world know that if they want to improve their health improve their body composition they probably got to eat better than what they're currently eating but yep. um, it, there just seems to be a point where people just can't do it they can't stick to it they, they'll go all in they'll try to um, cut out everything that they enjoy from their diet they'll be <laughs> very very rigid I, I was one of these as well and, and they'll just focus only on nutrient density but not focusing on uh, calorie density so you'll see that um, they're not losing weight uh, this is more difficult I, I'm eating I don't eat any of the foods I like anymore I'm only eating you know very unprocessed single ingredient foods and I'm not losing any weight what's the point and then they end up not uh, making any progress one approach that I actually like to uh, to use with uh, clients is I don't necessarily get them to track any um, let's say low calorie vegetables like green vegetables and um, these kind of things and I find that works a little bit better because when you cut calories from somebody, um, which may be necessary if they need to drop body fat uh, for a lot of people, that when you cut calories and you say, okay, well, you're eating less carbohydrates now, the first thing to go is usually vegetables because they still want to eat those uh, oats, they want to eat the rice, they want to enjoy their snack foods. So if you tell people that, okay, um, maybe don't track calorie or don't track your vegetables, but you know, obviously still attract to an extent your fruits and more starchy vegetables, uh, they seem to just uh, intake it a little bit more because it's a, a free food. And then once they get this habit built up and they're able to uh, consistently eat uh, three, five plus servings of vegetables per day, then you could say, well, okay, progress has stalled here a little bit. Why don't we start tracking some of these foods a little bit more or, or look at how much of these foods you're actually eating. When I say you don't mm -hmm. track your your vegetable intake, are you eating you know 47 heads of broccoli per day? And You know? <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, we, we sort of take an approach of here's a food list. You can start eating mostly off that food list. That would be a great thing and add more and more foods from that. And then here's some meals. But then ultimately uh, we, we try to dial in nutrient density, which we can do quantitatively. And some people really want to do that and really thrive on that. Not everybody gets to that point. But if at that point you're tracking, you're doing the tracking for the sake of let's make sure I'm getting enough magnesium for my diet and potassium for my diet and which foods can I add to to improve that and you're not necessarily focusing on calories per se but by focusing on calories you really boost the the satiety and you'll naturally reduce your calorie intake and then I suppose the last step we've got a smart macros algorithm that that then says hey you want to you dial in your your body fat improve your um your, your your lean body mass let's dial in your your carbs and your fat and your protein if you're not if you're losing too much muscle you bring up your protein and bring down your fat and your carbs and sort of dial it in progressively but not many people get to that micromanaged approach i think probably your clientele your audience might be the people who would get to that but most people most mums and dads just want to you know eat healthy foods that look colorful with the family and, and feel good about that and not be micromanaging it all the time. Yeah, I mean, I do want to, or I do try my best to move away from the approach uh, with people who aren't necessarily doing like a, a bodybuilding competition or want to get extremely lean. And it's something that I'm actually working on at the moment is a series of uh, content on how to maintain uh, single digit body fat because people say that they want this, 
but when they realize what's actually involved in maintaining something like that you, you it starts to slowly you know you know become clear to them that okay maybe i don't want to be hungry a lot maybe i don't want to keep my activity levels up maybe i don't want to be eating the same at the same times and sleeping all the time maybe i don't want to not eat out every single day so and um, people often think that they want a certain thing but in reality they just really want to feel better so uh, the approach i do try to take with people who, uh, and a lot of people i work with would be like say in corporate etc who have jobs who need to be social and um, who, dr- who want to drink out and um, drink alcohol out and enjoy foods out um, and not necessarily be tracking everything or having that be quite restrictive because even with the flexible dieting approach when people get too caught up in the if it fits your macros or flexible dieting and calorie tracking i find that it becomes quite restrictive in itself because if somebody doesn't know the exact macros of a food that they it's haven't cooked themselves they won't eat it and it's like yeah. well i'm following a flexible approach it's like yeah you won't eat anything that you haven't cooked yourself or you don't know what the exact <laughs> macros yeah. in you know so it becomes um quite exactly. restrictive in itself and um, but yeah, there, there's a good there was a good um post by abel uh Sabai, i think his surname is about what it takes to actually stay at that sub 10 percent body fat level for most people and that the level of sacrifice it takes to actually get you know 15 percent 12 percent 10 percent 8 percent to actually sustain that and you know it as you say it's incremental amounts of discipline that you have to put in more and more and more to the point that dominates your life so you have to find you know are you actually trying to stay at six percent or you're trying to get down to that or hey you just you know want to be fit and healthy and avoid diabetes and um be able to feel strong and healthy which is probably where i'm at that you know i'd like to be a whole lot leaner but you know the sacrifices it takes as a as a dad and someone who's got a you know a full-time job and a, and a hobby that they love and needs to be able to think clearly and not be able to you know not always be flaky and, and needs to be able to think um maybe that extreme approach is not for you so you need to find that balance point definitely and if you if most of the time if you're starting a day with with higher protein you know highly satiating foods you're going to be you know better controlled overall and maybe be able to have those splurges with with your friends or your family occasionally and, and not have to be completely racked with guilt just go yeah i've got more energy for my workout tomorrow morning and, and get back into it you don't have to be you know completely racked with guilt because you're not going to be on a stage in in two months yeah i think it's it's a tra- it, everything in life is about a trade-off i mean yeah. you know what you it's like saying that i, I want to be really rich or i want to be a professional nba player but i don't want to do any hard work so who doesn't <laughs> who doesn't want that but you know uh, you know everything comes with the uh, pleasures and pains i guess and, uh, the other thing it's amazing to see like people like eric helms and now talking about intuitive eating and and not being a slave to the, the calorie tracker all the time and, and trying to listen to their body signals and, and train their body to 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 just choose the foods. And I, and I suppose that's the long-term goal is to develop good habits that you know what foods are going to help you achieve your goals. Yeah, and I think that's really the key. The thing you said there last is your habits because we, we've kind of touched on everything here in this conversation, but 99.9% of the people in the world... Um, eat instinctively and if we look mm. at the western developed world most people do eat based off their hunger signals but mo- mm. a lot of people are you know increasing their body fat and there's a lot of mm. obesity so it's th- having the the correct habits and learning 
you know, quality nutrition, how to eat properly, how to, you know, what calories are, what macronutrients are. And you, I feel personally that you actually get that by going into a level of tracking for a while because mm, it teaches definitely. you about calorie density, teaches you about satiety, teaches you about protein, fiber, etc. Mm. Um, and then, and then you, when you start to eat um, instinctively, then you can actually manage your weight and be healthy. Because mm. if you just tell somebody who's already probably eating instinctively but can't lose any body fat, oh, just eat, uh, you know, based off your intuition, they're like, well, I'm already <laughs> doing that. I'm not dropping any weight, you know. So yeah, definitely. It, you need to kind of, I feel you need to go and track for a while or maybe yep. do a bit more extra work and overreach yourself for a little mm. while and so you can learn and understand about nutrition and then it's when you pull back and that's the kind of approach that i feel uh, works with a lot of people who even have these lifestyles like yourself who you know want to be more flexible they don't necessarily want to be overly lean but by tracking for a while and i'm sure you've tracked for a while before in the oh, past totally. it teaches you a lot about nutrition and yep. then you can pull back so when i'm not doing a competition i don't really like to track because it just it's it's a mental drain sometimes mm. and i don't want to weigh my foods i I want to eat based off more of hunger, but I'm only able to not get extremely fat when I'm not competing by having tracks for so long because mm. I know what's you know know that okay that food is not zero calories it's probably you know 600 calories and mm. probably has quite a bit of fat and then mm. maybe later in the day if I eat a high fat breakfast I'll maybe reduce my fat a little bit not necessarily tracking it mm. but you know i'll reduce my fat a little bit so that my overall calories are probably in balance i know protein what you know what food portions would have roughly mm. how much protein so I'll, I'll try get in multiple servings of that per day um, and and then like in the reverse if i eat a high amount of carbs in the morning or after training i might reduce it at other points of the day and that way i wouldn't have known how to do that really unless i did some form of tracking not necessarily tracking macros but maybe food control portion control and um, these kind of things and that's the kind of i suppose come full circle and that's i think how people should do it long term mm. because nobody wants to be i always say this nobody wants to be 65 and using my fitness pal with their grandkids you know <laughs> i've got a ten thousand day streak Ooh, i've got to keep yeah. it <laughs> yeah definitely um you know food tracking is like training wheels and you can learn about your mat- macros and calories and also, I think, you know, from my point of view, the learning your micros and learning what foods you need to actually meet your micronutrient goals to get adequate and optimal is um, really powerful. And like you said, it eventually you've learnt those habits and you can back off and then you go, hey, I'm, I'm you know, gaining more fat than I needed to or wanted to. I'll, I'll get back on the train, put the training wheels back on for a little while and, and be a bit more disciplined and, uh, yeah. So finally, Marty, I wanted to touch on the topic of supplements versus food. So you're mm. obviously pretty big on nutrient density and getting yep. in uh, a lot of good quality nutrition. But what are your thoughts on using supplements to you know, aid that or supplements in the diet in general, both for just general health and then sports performance? Yeah, definitely. Um, supplements definitely have a role, but definitely they're, they're just an addition, a supplement to top up. And I think really you need to get supplements from fresh foods i'm I'm diving into the the micronutrients and you know every micronutrient comes out and says you know degrades in the presence of heat and water and light and acid and base so it's like the bottom line is you need fresh food and um you know the the food off the 
the grocery store shelves is built for longevity on the shelf and uh, shelf stability and price and doesn't contain those those vitamins so they've got to supplement them to fill in you know your, your folate or a few very narrow spectrum vitamins but you're not going to necessarily get all the different vitamins and minerals you need from those fortified foods even if um they do send the packet you've got a certain amount and i mean looking at at, at folate the the folic acid that's in uh, so many foods today doesn't give you the, the same effect of, of folate and you end up with a lot of folic acid circulating in your bloodstream and it masks the b12 deficiencies and you know very few foods have got it supplemented with magnesium potassium and those sort of nutrients that we tend to be tend to really find hard to get in adequate quantities just because they're really big your vitamin and your vitamin pill never contains your potassium and calcium and, and sodium that you need because there's just so much bulk in those nutrients so you, you're never going to really take those foods in adequate quantities without getting it in the food um, just because you'd be downing pills and powders all day um, yeah so definitely definitely prioritize fresh whole foods that that contain those nutrients and, and the, the more close they can come from nature the better the, the, the better the soil they're grown in the more nutrients they can extract and put into the food and into yourself in, in a bioavailable form that you can use and your body knows what to do with because if you if you try to jam 15 grams of salt into yourself or a whole lot of potassium and magnesium all at once your, your gut just can't absorb it and it's going to flush it out straight away you're going to want to throw up or sit in the toilet for half an hour until you get rid of it and your body just doesn't deal with those supplements that you really need especially those um those minerals in large quantities so it's, you really need to prioritize getting it from food and just topping up and supplementing where you need to yeah i think i have a similar approach i i've obviously spent a lot of money um when i was younger on supplements because i was naive um but recently or i suppose over the last couple of years I've, I've been really using supplementation just to get some omegas because i i may not mm. have um you know may not be eating fish en enough mm. per week um purely just for i'm not really a huge fan of the taste of it but i, I still do eat it a couple times a week mm. i mm. I'll, I'll supplement with magnesium citrate as you mentioned mm. it's kind of hard to get in your diet um, mm. and then a few other like adaptogens so things that yep. you may not necessarily get uh, through your diet like i had a coffee it's it, we start recording at seven and i had a coffee with some l-teenine which i actually really like the combination of the two yep. takes the the edge and it's not something i'd really get in a huge quantity in my diet unless i'm shoveling mm. back like liters and liters of tea where i can get yep. a you know pretty cheap dose and it's pretty safe uh, amino acid and, and that's really all that i use for supplementation obviously sports supplements like creatine i'm not going to be mm. eating enough red meat per per week to get in enough creatine other things like um you know caffeine but your basic mm. supplements is, is really all all that you need yeah yeah definitely definitely i've just been um i saw you on instagram you're talking about 5 htp and improvements in appetite and sleep because it boosts your serotonin and 5 htp comes from adequate tryptophan and that works synergistically with all these other different vitamins that help you sleep and improve your appetite and therefore you're you're not going to be craving and hungry and and tired all the time and looking for junk food and carbohydrates so you know all these 
nutrients work synergistically together from whole foods so yeah you've got to prioritize that first and you know the, the, the soylent and all these food fake food sort of pro products but you never hear of anybody going oh all i ate was soylent look at me i'm ripped and i look amazing and i'm really healthy and you know living forever it, you know it's the people who eat who learn to eat real food um that was recently in touch with the ground in some form that uh, tend to thrive and do the best that's true so it's really just a, an overall uh, approach just eating better and focusing on just better quality nutrition supplements aren't really going to do do much you did talk about the 5-HTP actually I yeah. ran out of that it's something that I really like um, <laughs> yeah. I, it's for the, the mood I find that my mood is a little bit better obviously because of that increase in serotonin but mm. there's some research um, that I was looking into that when consumed with food it actually gives you a better satiety response mm. it doesn't fill you up necessarily but you just seem to be more satisfied so it's actually a pretty good tool potentially um for people who are, are dieting it's you can't mm. actually buy it in ireland it's just yeah. it's regulated but i go to the uk quite frequently so next week i'm gonna get some again <laughs> well marty uh thanks so much for coming on the the call today we're just coming up on time so any final thoughts or recommendations if i if i ask you what are your three or four tips for somebody who wants to optimize their nutrition optimize their health what would that be yeah i suppose learn about the uh, the micronutrients in your food and yeah we've got a tool nutrient optimizer you can do a free report to work out your micronutrient and macronutrient targets and it gives you a short list of foods and meals you can try get you started on the journey um, we've got optimizing nutrition uh, as well which is where I'll, I'll do all my long form blog posts if you want to dive into a systematized engineer type approach to nutrition which i enjoy and it's really cool to have a, a number of other people follow along and, and people that i respect enjoy that at least and, and that's really fun and um yeah love love to connect with people online and um, it's really been fun to chat to you adam today so there you have it guys that was a very interesting conversation with marty and we talked about things that people don't often think about when they think about their nutrition they'll just look at calories and think it's just calories in versus calories out but they'll often overlook things like satiety index or insulin index and although insulin index may not be as important for your everyday person if you're somebody who has diabetes or you're overweight and obese or you just have poor, poor blood sugar management potentially insulin index is something that you may want to look at and it's definitely some food for thought for me as well and if you want to learn more about marty and his work head over to optimizingnutrition.com you can also join marty's facebook group which there's thousands of people in there and he posts in there pretty much every day with really good content and that's in the show notes or the show description and please do share this podcast if you found it useful with other people you can tag me in your stories or, or whatever it is with my instagram handle it's at adam mac 192 and i'd really appreciate some feedback and of course a review for the algorithm as well and i look forward to seeing you in the next show